This is a podcast by Adam R. Matthews for The Aimless Wanderer. For more information about Adam, to see more of his work, or to download other podcasts, please go to www.aimlesswanderer.org. The British Conservative Party is a pretty irony-free place these days. Despite her repeated proclamations, Theresa May turned out to be anything but strong and stable. Then the Tories somehow found a magic money tree growing over the grave of Reverend Ian Paisley, and then the Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt accused the world-renowned physicist Stephen Hawking of telling pernicious falsehoods about his department's privatisation of the National Health Service. Conservative ministers must truly consider the electorate to be both stupid and blind. On the South London streets around King's College Hospital, the truth stares you in the face. There, ambulances fill the parking bays, waiting for the call to action, but these are not the ambulances we'd expect from our nationalised health service. The vanity of their private operators ensures that we know that, because emblazoned on so many of the more idle vehicles are logos proclaiming the identities of their owners. In London alone, NHS spending on private ambulances ballooned from £700,000 in 2001 to £10 million five years later. Expenditure in 2015 touched the £12 million mark, yet London isn't the biggest spender. The South Central Ambulance Service, which covers the home counties, has long been the country's biggest spender on private patient transport, splashing out £13.6 million in 2015-16 on private ambulances to respond to emergencies. Nationwide, the NHS is spending more than £68 million a year on private ambulances to answer 999 calls, a threefold increase in just four years. Perversely, the main cause of this reliance on the private sector is a lack of investment in the health service itself. This has left NHS trusts unable to make the necessary capital expenditure for new vehicles and training, which means they've had to resort to the cheaper short-term option of bringing in private contractors. Yet as we've seen with previous such schemes, think PPP and PFI or whatever you want to call them, cheaper upfront costs mean much greater expense in the medium to long term. And as with those private finance initiatives, these extra costs will be used as proof that a nationalised health service is too expensive and will lead to the kind of fee-payer insurance scheme which Mr Hunt so vehemently denies is his aim. But cost is not the only problem. Up until March this year, the Care Quality Commission had carried out 70 inspections on independent ambulance companies, covering about one-fifth of all those registered. The CQC, as they're known, identified common concerns around poor medicines management, cleanliness and infection control practices and a lack of appropriate recruitment checks. Having so far published 39 reports on 33 of these companies, more than half have been ordered to improve and two have had their contracts cancelled. The Times reported that the watchdog has taken the unusual steps of writing to all 260 registered ambulance providers, warning them about fundamental standards. One of the worst offenders is a company called Copaform or Copperformer. Having undercut the South East Coast Ambulance Service to win the tender for transporting patients in the county of Sussex, they soon found themselves out of their depth. Less than a week after taking over in April 2016, they were already seeking to shift the blame, at the same time as apologising for delays in transfers. These delays meant cancer patients missed oncology appointments, patients with kidney failure missed two or three dialysis sessions in a week, 
patients, relatives and NHS staff had to wait the best part of an hour to get through to the firm's phone lines and co-performer ambulance teams even turned up to collect patients who were already dead. In the middle of April 2016, co-performers' drivers were speaking to the local press, saying co-performer are a total shower, they're out of their depth. I think it's because they've never moved patients in these quantities anywhere before. Another driver was quoted as saying, when I was a SECAMB driver, we would transport 18 patients a day. Now it's four or five. Yesterday, we only did two. At least the company had the good sense to step down from the contract just seven months later, when the serial privatisers, the South Central Ambulance Service, were asked to step in and take over operations until a more permanent solution could be found. That transition took another six months and further upheavals. And yet this situation is hardly unprecedented. In 2013, the bus company Arriva Transport a wholly owned subsidiary of the German state-owned rail company DB, undercut the North West Ambulance Service to the tune of £3.5 million to win the rights to run ambulances in Greater Manchester. Having left thousands of patients waiting for hours, they received over 400 complaints in the first six months of operations. Local MPs had been against the deal from the start, and by the beginning of new tendering in 2015, Arriva didn't even bother competing. The company was threatened with legal action by the Serious Fraud Office for misreporting their performance in order to gain £1.5 million in bonuses from the state. They did eventually return this money, but only after the North West Ambulance Service had paid them an average of £1.4 million a month. Arriva continues to provide ambulances in the Midlands and elsewhere. However, around the streets of King's College Hospital, another operator dominates. Medical Services Limited, with its blue Star of Life and winged Caduceus logo, is inconspicuous by design. With no fanfare, it has become Britain's largest provider of private ambulance services. Although the company only really sprang to life with the breakup of courier company Lewis Day in 2010-11, Medical Services' first year of trading saw a turnover of £12 million and profits of £84,000. By 2013, turnover was up to £32 million, returning post-tax profits of £1.3 million, which is when the Danish emergency service company Falk took over. Falk AS was what was left of Group 4 Falk after their 2004 merger with Securicor created G4S. By the end of 2016, Falk were operating more than 2,500 ambulances in 22 countries generating a global turnover of 6,528 million Danish kroner, or £750 million, from transporting patients. Yet their entrance to the British market through medical services has not been an easy one. Last year, Medical Services Limited made a loss of £9.4 million on a turnover of £33 million. This is even worse than their 2015 performance when they lost just under £9 million on revenues of £36 million, having received net tax rebates of £1.9 million that year. By 2016, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs returned just £157,000 net. While it could be a Starbucks-style tax avoidance trick, Falk blames these losses on the infrastructure established and prices obtained not being enough to handle the significant new contracts won shortly before Falk took control of the company. 
It is telling, however, that even a company as established as Falk is having difficulties in this new competitive marketplace in national health service provision. Just why the United Kingdom is embarking on this race to the bottom is manifold. Part of it must be that continual Tory efforts to break the unions, paramedics and other related workers are forced to agree new contracts when their employer is changed beneath them. Part of it is also the Orwellian sheep mentality of neoliberalism, whose advocates bleat private good, public bad. But mostly, surely, it is part of the pernicious truth that Jeremy Hunt is doing his best to hide that our beloved National Health Service is being stolen away from us one chunk at a time. If you've enjoyed this recording by Adam R. Matthews, you can find out more about him at www.aimlesswanderer.org.